online in the room you feeling all right come on i'm gonna have y'all gotta help me preach man this is i never got to preach this has been like i was looking at some old videos and when i was um preaching at home i got delivered y'all god set me free you have no idea what it's like to prep a message preach a message with your wife as the camera person thomas to train stuff in the background knowing any minute the kids could start screaming that was one of the worst times of my life. Did I look happy when I was doing that? My wife and I, we made, our marriage made it through her being my producer and my cameraman. Can y'all give it up for Christina Lowe? Man, y'all have no idea, man. Y'all have no idea, but I'm so excited. Uh, the, the light is not just at the end of the tunnel. I feel the light in the tunnel, and we're going to be gathering soon um, fully every single Sunday. We're just preparing and doing things now, and you're going to be hearing about that date coming up. And I believe we've been talking about our 2021 vision, which is rebuilding in strength. And it's kind of interesting that this is our, our vision, rebuilding in strength, because we like to say, man, this is unprecedented. The church has never been closed. But no, in the Bible, the church was closed. Uh, God's people were in exile for 70 years, and they couldn't go to temple. And then God shows up and asks Nehemiah to build the wall, the protection around the temple. And I just felt like God saying, I'm rebuilding protection around you and your family. The protection that was destroyed by drama and politics and vision. I'm rebuilding the wall around your faith. I'm rebuilding a wall around your family. And, and Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the wall. And, 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 and if you look at that verse, I just don't know why I feel led to share this, but Nehemiah asked uh, King Artaxerxes to rebuild the city. And later he was rebuilding the wall. And so many times he asked for permission to rebuild the city, not the wall. Read it. Nehemiah 1, he asked for permission to rebuild the city, but he rebuilt the wall, not the city. And I feel like sometimes the enemy wants to discourage you because you have dreams and visions of grandeur to rebuild the city. And God's saying, no, your assignment is the wall. But if you will be faithful with what just your little part of this big picture is, I'm telling you, I'm going to do something special. Later, God would show up and tell Zerubbabel to not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of God, will you rebuild God's house. We are in a season of rebuilding. And so the series we are in, Foundations, is really getting back to basics. And, I, and I've said this and I'll share it every single week. My wife, wife and I love to drive through neighborhoods and dream of where we would live one day. Now I uh, refuse to drive anywhere. Uh, the golf course has to be there. Let's just say that. It's like we have to live on, like we might live actually on a golf course. Whole 18, just homesteaders right there. You know, Florida, somebody said Florida. I can't do Florida, bro. It's too hot. Like, I, I, the, the, I don't like sw just sweating on the back of my neck. I mean, I'm a brother. We tropical people, but I don't do Florida. It's just too hot. And they have gators, and I, I just don't like it. But anyway, we drive through these neighborhoods, and I've said this before. We always drive through neighborhoods that are fully completed, fully amazing, the oohs and ahs. And, and that's sometimes what we want God to do something in our life. We want God to do something like, wow. But we've never driven through a neighborhood that was under construction where they had just started on the foundation. And it's almost like God's been showing me, I need you to have vision to drive through a neighborhood where just the foundation is being laid and you can see what it's going to be. Because I build things by starting with the foundation. I feel like preaching. I hope y'all feel like listening. Because the Bible says that when God's people in the Old Testament got finished with the foundation, they threw a party. 
They threw a party when they got finished with the foundation. And I believe that our church, and, and this is, might be prophetic, but our church will have its first Sunday fully open right when we finish this series on foundations. I really believe that. I, I think it's prophetic. So we've been talking about um, a bunch of different subjects that we believe are a foundation of what God uh, wants to do. But we've been talking about a different word every single week. And this is powerful because as you, and if you missed any of them, you got to make sure that you go back and watch the other ones because I don't want you to get a little bit of concrete for the foundation over here. And you got some grass and some shrubbery over here and you're trying to build on the grass and the shrubbery. No, you got to get all the concrete. Somebody put in the chat, I need all the concrete for the foundation. And so the foundation of what we're talking about are the things that we all need to believe. So we can, let me just put it this way. So we, some of y'all can believe that Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwiches are better than Popeye's, and some of y'all can believe that Popeye's are better than Chick-fil-A, and we can come together as a church. Some of you guys can believe that people should vote this way or vote that way. We, we can all come to church. We can all believe different things, but one of the things that we cannot be a church community, we cannot be a church community that does not believe together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can't do it. <laughs> cannot do it. We cannot be a church that does not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying today, I felt God say, everybody's okay with God. Everybody's okay with Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we start talking about energy and vibes and manifesting into the universe. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, which is my message title today, put some respect on my name. I feel like preaching today. The Holy Spirit is saying, put some respect on my name. Even in the church, we say the church needs to rise up. I Googled the church needs to rise up. I couldn't find one scripture that said the church needs to rise up. But what I did find is in the book of Isaiah, it says, arise for the glory of the Lord rises to shine upon you. The reason why I can get up is because Jesus got up. And the reason Jesus got up is because the Holy Spirit's power made him get up. So the church can't rise if Jesus doesn't rise and Jesus doesn't rise if the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't make him do it. He was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. So where there is death and the Holy Spirit is there, death is conquered. Jesus came by the power of the Holy Spirit and conquered both death and the grave. So all that little stuff underneath death and the grave, your bills, your problems, your ex, all of that stuff underneath death and the grave is canceled as well. That's why... The Holy Spirit, Jesus doesn't need to bring up any of that other stuff because he's like, I, I conquered death. So I know you're going through something. I know you're afraid, but I conquered death by the power of the Holy Spirit. I conquered death. Christians don't die. We multiply. That's an old iced tea lyric. I couldn't resist it. I couldn't resist it. It's Brandon's fault. We couldn't resist it. The original lyric is, gangsters don't die, we multiply. And I just stole it and made it Christian, classic pastor, cultural reference. I feel like Jesus is saying, man, put some respect on the name of the Holy Spirit. You want me to read you a bizarre verse that's kind of scary? 
but I think you're ready for it. Matthew 12, verses 22 through 32 say this. Then they brought Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So Jesus was casting out demons out of people, and he was accused of being filled with a demon, and that's why he could cast out demons. So they had been talking trash about Jesus. If you're a young person, they had been snapping on Jesus the whole time. All the young people laughing, the older people, what's snapping? Um, but they've been talking about Jesus, but this time they had said something about the Holy Spirit. And watch what Jesus says he goes every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand if satan drives out satan he is divided against himself how then can his kingdom stand and if i drive out demons by belzebul by whom your people drive them out so then they will be your judges but if it is by the spirit of god that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then he says this, and this is a word for our church, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Oh, I, this stuff is so good. The Bible is so amazing. He's basically saying, how can you remember when he called Joshua and, and all the Israelites to go into the promised land, what God had for them was in the possession of their enemies. And their enemies were much too big, much too strong for them. So he didn't say, I'm going to bless you. That's not what God said to Israel. He said, go into the promised land and dispossess it from them so it can go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. So he's saying it is by the Holy Spirit that we dispossess things from the, you know that thing you've been praying about for God to give you is in the hands of the enemy and you got to go dispossess it. How do you do it? How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? The enemy wants you to be in bondage, but the Holy Spirit puts your enemy in bondage so you can walk free into all that God has for you. Then he goes, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin, put this in the chat, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Wait a minute. What did you say, Jesus? He literally said, say whatever you want about me. But I wish somebody would talk about my mama. Wait, no, he didn't say that. That's what we used to say back in San Bernardino. Remember somebody say something about your mom, they make fun of you? And you're like, Whatever. I used to make fun of my mo the mole in my nose when I was in school. I had this mole since I, was, I came out the womb with this mole. I don't know what happened. You say something about my mama, though. It's going down. Say what you want about me. You say something about my mama, we got a problem. 
You got somebody like that? Say something about me if you want to. But I wish you would say something about my kids. I know my kids are crazy, but you don't get to call them crazy. I get to call them crazy. You know your kids are crazy. You don't even let anybody else call your kids crazy. Jesus literally said, try to wrap your brain about this, around this. Say what you want about me. But don't you dare call the Holy Spirit an evil spirit. That's what it says. It says that they called the Holy Spirit an evil spirit. And Jesus said, what? He pulled his tunic up like, what you say, homie? We got a problem, cuz? Like his sandals wrapped around his cap. Like, what you say, cuz? We got a problem? All they did was talk trash about Jesus. They said the Holy Spirit was evil. And he said, put some respect on the Holy Spirit's name. You don't even have to put respect on my name, but I wish you would say something about the Holy Spirit. I don't even think that can be forgiven. What? And I don't want you to freak out. Like if I say the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure about the Holy Spirit. Does that mean it can't be forgiven? No, it's blaspheme the Holy Spirit. They called the Holy Spirit an evil spirit. And Jesus was like, oh no, no, no. I know you did not just call the Holy Spirit an evil spirit. I can't even roll with that. You could say I'm not this. You could say I'm not that. So this is powerful. This is powerful that we understand that Jesus took offense. They they flogged this man with whips and chains. They spit on him on the cross, gambled for his clothes, y'all. And he's on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They called the Holy Spirit an evil spirit. He was like, oh, hold up. Oh, no. I think the church is missing the significance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's here's what I want to say to you. John the Baptist is baptizing people. And and I love love the fact that we're about love as a church. We, We love to love people. God is love. But when John the Baptist was baptizing people in Matthew 3, verse 11, he said this, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, and that's why I wanted to preach the message on the Holy Spirit after Paris' powerful message on repentance, because he says, hey, I'm here to deal with repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose crocs I'm not even worthy to carry. And I wonder why he said that he wasn't worthy to carry. You would think he would go, because no one's going to love you like he's going to love you. It's kind of what we do in the church when we don't have any theology at all. We just say, it's about love. Forget the Bible. Forget it. It's about love. We don't know what love is. He didn't say that. He didn't go, I'm not worthy to tie his shoes because... It's the grace. He could have used that. Some of the churches were a bit truth happy. And I love the truth. Truth will set you free. Got to preach the truth, the truth, the truth. We do. But he didn't say, because he's going to bring the truth. I'm not worthy to tie his sandals because he's going to bring the truth. You know what he said? The one attribute of Jesus Jesus was perfectly God and perfectly man at the same time. 
And John the Baptist said, I am unworthy because I baptize in water and he baptizes in fire and with the Holy Spirit. The reason that I am unworthy is because I cannot give you the Holy Spirit. What? All the things you could have picked about Jesus and that's the one? Matter of fact, Speaking back to Paris's powerful message, if you didn't get a chance to watch that, please watch her message on repentance. Psalm 51, David is repenting for getting pregnant one of his warrior's wives. This is like an episode of Mari Povich. And Nathan the prophet said, you are the father. And David panicked. But the Bible says David, y'all, was rich. He was balling out of control. He was the leader of all of Israel, living in a palace. But yet when he repented, he asked God for one thing. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You can have the palace. You can have the money. You can have the title. But if I'm going to lose it all... God, I know I've sinned before you. Can I just keep one thing? The Holy Ghost. Where are those Christians in the church saying, God, you can have the money, you can have the promotion, you can have the audition, but can I just keep one thing? I just want to keep the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy of baptizing, tying his shoes because he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Now, up until this point, the Holy Spirit had ever only come upon someone. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came on David to do something for God. He's talking about being baptized. Your life is immersed in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just God with you. It was God in you. The Bible says God that Angels ask questions on why a holy God would live in you. They, they, we had to, in the Old Testament, they had to slaughter animals and purify the basin. And, the, and now, God, you're going to live on the inside of someone who in the Old Testament would have been unclean. The Bible says angels ponder. How could this be? And I think if we're not careful... We become addicted to the emotions that we feel in the presence of God. And then we go out into the world, we're filled with everything else but him. And, and the presence of God can become like an addiction. It feels good to be in God's presence. You get the goose pimples, but you're, you leave here and you're filled with fear. I'm going to give you an example. Um, can you bring me this bag real quick? I've used this example before, but there is no better example. Uh, this is great. Come on, B. B's a great golfer, by the way. Give it up for B. All right, hopefully this isn't disrespectful. But let's pretend this bag, for all intents and purposes, is an example of the Holy Spirit. Right? So, oh, I just hit the wrong one. In this bag... Again, I've done this example before, but there's no better one. And maybe my creativity was flowing. I'm going to do it again. In this bag, there's something really good for you. Broccoli. This is really good for you. This hasn't even been cooked yet, so that means it's really good. Someone's in the chat going, oh, raw vegetables. He's finally caught up to what God's doing. 
veganism. It's the only way to the Lord. Somebody put in the chat. It's not true. But can you imagine? This broccoli looks nasty, by the way. I'm not a big fan of vegetables, right? I like to eat stuff that brings me pleasure, not that's good for me. That's sometimes how we do church. We like the good parts, the parts that brings us pleasure. The stuff that's good for us, mm. So what happens is God is with you. The Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you. So let's just pretend this broccoli is God. Can you humor me for a second? And let's just say the broccoli will never leave you or forsake you. Great. So here we go. Just going to church. All right. How you doing, Julian? Oh, I'm doing good, man. It's broccoli. Broccoli's just waiting for the broccoli to kick in. Doctor says, gotta be a little bit more healthy. Don't make me laugh. Doctor says, gotta be a little bit more healthy. So I just got this broccoli with me so I can be more healthy. Well, I mean, it's available, but until it gets in you, it's ineffective. So then what Jesus says is that I don't want to just now be with you. In order to be effective, I got to be in you. If you don't eat the broccoli, the broccoli's ineffective. How stupid would it be for me to go, this broccoli doesn't work? I've been carrying it around. Broccoli, if you're broccoli, then how come people are unhealthy? Isn't that what we say to God? God, if you're God, then how come so much evil is in the world? Because people are not filled with the spirit of God. That's why there's so much evil in the world, because people are not filled with the spirit of God. How psycho would it be for me to yell at the broccoli, where are you, broccoli, when I need you? I'm trying to be healthy. And you're not, and you, <laughs> you are not helping me, okay? Hopefully, some sane person say, why don't you take a bite out of it? I mean, try it. It's better than what you've been doing. Maybe you don't even want to eat the whole thing, but maybe some. And if your body was filled with healthy food, you'd be healthy. If your body was filled with the Holy Spirit, you'd be free. You'd be empowered. You'd have the truth. I know I'm so grateful for God's presence, but sometimes I think we reduce God to just someone that follows us around while we do whatever we want. And every once in a while we can feel him, and every once in a while we can sense him, but we are not baptized, immersed in the presence of God. I really believe that this is something that God is doing, where he's saying the Holy Spirit is God. This is so important that Jesus said something wild to his disciples. In John 16, verse 7, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. How is it good that Jesus is leaving? How is that good? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says. He's not getting up. How is that good? Hey, I'm out. Some of y'all get mad if I left. Maybe some of y'all be happy. <laughs> Matter of fact, my friends are here. David and Randall, they have a new church in L.A. starting. When is it starting? 
September 12th, the heart of LA. Some of y'all are like, I've been looking for another church. <laughs> well, God's doing a great work in them. All jokes aside, God is doing a great work in them. And so uh, I just shouted them out because they're great people, great people, great church. But can you imagine if I just ghosted y'all? And y'all are like, okay, we got to go to the heart of LA. I just ghosted you. What happened, Pastor Julian? He ghosted us. He just left. But then you went to the heart of LA and God used you more at the heart than he used you here. Because instead of relying on me, you relied on the Holy Spirit to start a church. So then technically, I really did ghosted you. I wholly ghosted you. See, when Jesus left them, they thought they had been ghosted, but they had been wholly ghosted. So they felt ghosted by God, but reality was they had been wholly ghosted. And when you've been wholly ghosted, you feel like you've been ghosted by God. But God's saying, I didn't ghost you. I sat down at the right hand of the Father. I said I would not leave you. I said I would not forsake you. I did not ghost you. I wholly ghosted you. Greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. So you don't need me to get up off my throne. You got this. You have the Holy Spirit. Oh, I feel like preaching. Somebody feels ghosted by God and says, yes. He's saying, yes. I told them 2,000 years ago, I'm out. But I will not leave you as orphans. I'm sending another helper. I'm another helper. And so what the devil wants to make each and every one of you do those watching online, those in the room, what the devil wants each and every one of you to do when you get scared, when you get in trouble, he wants you to go, Jesus, where are you? And what you should be doing sometimes is, come on, where are you? Where are you? You're in here. I'm not going to be afraid because you're in here. There's no room for fear. See, see, the purpose of the feeling is not just to make you happy. When something's filled, there is no room. It, what's happening in the world is scary. I'm te not telling you to not be afraid. I'm telling you not to make any room. Yes. There's no room. There's no room. There's no room. When Jesus was born, I think everything in scripture is designed. The Bible says, in 2 Timothy, everything in scripture is designed to teach us and instruct us. Everything, even the little random verses. When Jesus was born, the Bible says his mom looked around for a place to have Jesus, but there was no room. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to fill you. And when you're filled with me, you get peace and love, but I, there's no room. There's no room. And I feel like all the division in the world and, and even the sin, it separates us from God. And we feel separated when we don't address our sin and we don't repent. And so then now the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. That is Oh my gosh, it is united. The Holy Spirit makes us the bride of Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, God is still our father. But now Sunday becomes visitation rites for a father. 
And we visit with God on the weekend. And God never wanted to visit. He wanted to dwell. And so the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. And the enemy wants us to feel like God ghosted us. But no, the Holy Spirit is in you. We have to have more reverence for the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful for the grace movement, but there's this reverence for the Holy Spirit where I am a vessel for the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you can see yourself that way, you'll make totally different decisions. You make totally different decisions. That's why Jay-Z's with Beyonce. He's Jay-Z. I'm not even going to go there. That joke is going to be really funny. Come tell me afterwards. I was going to tell him another person he couldn't marry, but that's, I don't want to go there. So it's really funny. Hit me up and DM me in the chat. And I'll, it's really funny. Um, but I really feel that like when we don't, and there's a lot of respect in our community for God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son. But we, we kind of leave the Holy Spirit out of the party. And the Holy Spirit is like, hey, that was me. I'm in you. That good thing that you did, I'm, I'm in you. And when you don't rely on the Holy Spirit, then you over rely on people around you to fill in the gaps that the Holy Spirit wants to. Now you need that person to listen more than they are. Now you need that person to love you more than they can because the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, we have a void. That, that's why it's a filling. So then we don't have any voids. Here's the thing. Christians are never supposed to feel like something's missing. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit makes you feel, even when everything is missing, the Holy Spirit says, no, no, it's not. Because peace is the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll get to. And what does peace mean? It means wholeness. Nothing's missing. When you're at peace, you don't feel like anything is missing. I want to read to you a few things the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives identity. Identity. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You got to be careful that we don't tell everyone you're a child of God. Oh, we hear this in the streets, right? So you are, watch this, this is really important. Everyone in the world is made in God's image. Everyone is made in, everyone is made in the image of God, everyone. But you can only walk as a child of God by faith. So that person doesn't have faith, then it's like they are the lost, like the new creation is becoming a son and daughter of God. Does that make sense? So everyone's made in the image, so everyone is there, and God wants to reunite all his family members, but he does it through faith in Jesus. He does it through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now you can live like you were a daughter, like royal lineage. You live as if your dad never left you. You get the, the Bible says we have the right, the judicial right, filled with the Holy Spirit to live as sons and daughters of God. So that means I grew up in a home as if God the Father was really my father. And all the fruit that that would bear in my life, I have the right to live that way. It gives me an identity. And in the world, we have all these identities. I can't even count all the identities in the world. And the only identity that you cannot bring up in school is I'm a son of the most high God. You can't say that on the football field. You can't say that in the classroom. Any other identity is allowed except the one that would transform a nation. Guess who I am because of what Jesus did. I am who God says I am. 
And I'm not even trying to talk about other people. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting? That's the only one we can't say. It's the only one we can't say. Why? Because I believe that identity overrides all other identities. It overrides all identities. It doesn't matter what you are. It overrides all other identities. For I am a child of God. The the worship song goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. And no matter what anyone's current identity now, God wants the world to sing that song. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I feel. I'm not what I think. I'm not who I'm attracted to. I'm who God says I am. That's what I am. And this identity is no joke and is the only identity that you cannot give yourself. The Holy Spirit has to give it to you. It's the only one. Holy Spirit gives identity. Holy Spirit gives ability. Ability. Acts chapter 1 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power is the Holy Spirit's divine ability. And when I was praying for this particular point, I felt like God is saying, some people are worried about their ability. I don't know I can do it. And the Holy Spirit's like, you doing the eye dart? I know you can't do it. Why would God put me in you if you could do it without me? Why do Christians talk about their ability? I don't know if we can do it. Holy Spirit's like, I know, you can't. (laughs) That's why I'm in you. I mean, I just don't know if I can be married anymore. No, you can't. I'm the one who said yes. You and your flesh would have said no. And we just romanticize everything. That's holy matrimony, marriage is called. We romanticize everything. Just want to be with you the rest of my life. No, you don't. As soon as they don't take up, no, you don't. Why would anyone say that to another person? There's nobody I want to be with the rest of my life, except for my wife. How could that be? It's the Holy Spirit. That's why they call it holy matrimony. The Holy Spirit unifies two people together, and the Bible calls this a profound mystery. It is so profoundly spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit. And we worry about our ability. God calls us to do something. We worry about our ability. And God is saying to me to tell to you, stop worrying about your ability. I gave you the Holy Spirit. The enemy goes, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit and the devil are saying the same thing. That's why it feels so real. But if you would just sit in his presence and let the Holy Spirit finish his sentence, the Holy Spirit would say, but I can. Oh, I took over this church. Holy Spirit was like, you can't do this. You can't do this. Devil was like, you can't do this. You can't do this. But then I had to tell the devil to shut his mouth and let the Holy Spirit finish his sentence. And the Holy Spirit said, but I can and I'm in you. You know that verse, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? We love to quote that. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know that verse is talking about the Antichrist? 
the most demonic person that ever exists in the world. And John is telling them the Antichrist is coming. And the disciples are like, oh, shoot, what, the Antichrist is coming? And then John goes, but don't worry about it. Great is he who's in you than he's in the world. Can you imagine the Antichrist knocked on your door? You'd be like, oh, shoot, looking through the people, like, and start praying. And Jesus showed up like, if I said the Antichrist was in the chat right now, y'all would freak out. And the word goes, Antichrist, anti-schmeist. <laughs> Great is he who is in you than he who's in the world. You want to be freed up today? I want you to write all of your problems and rank them against the Antichrist. And God will say, you got it. You got it. With the Holy Spirit, you got it. It's really hard, but you got it. You got it. I, I, the death, Antichrist, you got it. You got it. Greatest he who's in you than he who's in the world. And here's the thing. When the enemy attacks us about our ability, we don't realize that God doesn't care about your ability. He cares about your availability. Both of the, those two words have ability in it. Availability and ability. Let me give you the, addition, the definition of availability. The quality of being able to be used or obtained. Oh. God, this is when this is in my top three. I can't. This is in my top three. <laughs> Lord, is this in my top three? Oh, top ten. Okay, I'm my bad. <laughs> Lord said it was in my top ten. I'm a top three. The quality of being able to be used or obtained. Used or obtained. So if Jesus has you, He's going to use you. And some of us want to be used by God, but God said, I don't want to use you. I, I died to have you. The bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Why do you think when every time, every time I do a wedding, they say the, the vow is to have and to hold. It's a Christian term to have and to hold. And sometimes when we're going through a hard time, we want to be held by a Jesus who doesn't have us. And God's saying to have and to hold. It's availability and listen to this other definition, the state of being otherwise unoccupied. I'm unoccupied by other things or I'm able to be used or obtained. That's availability. Ability is possession of the means or skill to do something. The Holy Spirit, wait and you will receive divine ability. All I need from you is your availability. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray right now. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And maybe if you're in the room, stand to your feet wherever you are. If you can stand, stand. If you're driving, obviously, maybe don't stand, but pull over. I'm going to give you a minute because I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to you and I right now, I just need some people who are available. Availability with the Holy Spirit trumps ability. And the enemy wants to throw our lack of ability in our face. And these are so hard to overcome because the enemy's right. We can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And we are the vessel. We are the vessel. We are the vessel. We are the vessel. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're the vessel. We're the vessel. Soon be available to the Holy Spirit. We'll get rid of our ability. We don't care about our ability right now. We just want availability. Unoccupied by other things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we repent for the times we are focused on our own ability. And not just being available to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to his people. Lord, we repent for the times where Holy Spirit, we haven't given you credit for the things that you have done. I'm reminded of when the angel told Mary that she would have a son. She said, how can that be when I know not a man? And the angel told her, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. She said, let it be to me as you have said. The Holy Spirit solved a problem that was science. She presented a problem that was science. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadows science. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll transition into a season where we want science to give us wisdom but the Holy Spirit overshadows science. She says, how can that be? The science doesn't line up. And he says, no, 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 don't matter. No matter. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Some of you believe in you're going to buy a home in L.A. one day. Even my friends who are here starting a church. How are we going to start this church? We don't have enough people to start a church. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow. Don't count the sheep. Feed them. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Holy Spirit's saying to you, I'm not a numbers guy. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Stop looking at your bank account. I'm not a numbers guy. Holy Spirit didn't invent math. Why are you adding up this plus this? And what? Holy Spirit say, I'm not a numbers guy. I don't do numbers. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm not an accountant. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much skill you got. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care. I don't care that you're 80. I don't care that you're 70. I don't care that you're 24. I don't care that you're 15. Holy Spirit is saying right now, I'm not a numbers guy. I don't care that you only have $100 in your bank account. You don't know how you're going to pay your rent. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't care how many failed relationships you have. I'm not counting. You are. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't care how many times you've moved and how many times you've had to start over. Now you got to start over again. I'm not counting. You are. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm the Holy Spirit and I will overshadow All of the things that are in your mind that makes you think it can't happen. Just invite the Holy Spirit to say, I'm available. I'm available.